May I speak in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What is the first thing that comes into your head when I say the word Ethiopia? Maybe you think of Africa and Africans. Maybe Ethiopia as an exotic tourist destination. Or maybe you, you think of Band-Aid and Bono and Feed the World playing to a background of famine images. Or perhaps long-distant runners crowding out Mo Farah in the 5,000 metres. Or maybe you didn't think of anything at all. What did Luke expect the word Ethiopian to conjure up in the mind of his readers when he wrote Acts 8, the reading on page 8 of our service booklet? What would his first century readers have been thinking when they read or heard this story? Ten centuries before Luke wrote Acts, the Greek poet Homer said that if you wanted a shorthand way of saying something like the edge of the world, then that word was Ethiopia. And other Greek poets and philosophers say the same. In other words, for over a thousand years before Luke wrote Acts, you didn't have any better shorthand for saying the ends of the earth than to say Ethiopia. In this passage from Acts, we're told about an Ethiopian finance minister, a senior position in the Ethiopian court at that time. He'd been to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage to worship, but we know that because of his background and nationality, he was an outsider as far as the Jewish religion was concerned. Yet there was something about the Jewish God and the Jewish religion that attracted him. He would have had to have traveled at least 500 miles to come from Ethiopia to get to Jerusalem. So he was serious about this God. He got a copy, a scroll of the Old Testament book of Isaiah with him. And he was reading this aloud, eager to find out what it meant. God had made sure that Philip, the right man on the right road at just the right time, should meet with this important Ethiopian treasury official. The question the Ethiopian had run into is one which many have discussed since. Who is Isaiah talking about? Is he referring to himself or someone else? The passage he's referring to is Isaiah 53, a passage that Christians for many centuries have seen as prophesying about Jesus and his death. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb that's silent before its shearer so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. 
Here is a figure of a servant, a suffering servant, who would come to earth and do for Israel and for the whole world what neither could do for themselves, to bear in his body the shame and reproach of all people and die under the weight of the world's wickedness. A servant who would suffer unjustly and die a humiliating death. So Isaiah was writing a kind of job description, a prophecy of what Jesus would come and do. This is what we need, he said, a servant who will accomplish God's will and rescue the world. Jesus is the one who fits the job description, said Philip. He fulfills the prophecy. He is the one who was led like a dumb sheep to his death, who was silent, who did not open his mouth, and whose life was taken. But isn't that a tragedy, we might say? Because Jesus was innocent. He was killed unjustly. Yes, said Philip, but this is the good news about Jesus. He was the one through whom God's plan had come to a climax. He is the Messiah, sent from God to make it possible for anyone to know him and have peace. No doubt Philip would have rolled the scroll back to the previous verses in Isaiah 53 to show that it was for human sin that Jesus died, that we are all involved in that, and that by his death, we, the sinful, may have peace and be healed. He would have explained that all of us are disqualified from coming to God because of sin. But the key message was the death of the innocent Jesus for the undeserving, all of us. The death of the innocent Jesus for the undeserving, all of us. And Philip said to the Ethiopian, this is good news for you as well as for everyone. Regardless of where you were born, or whatever nationality you are, that's what Jesus Christ came to say. No wonder the Ethiopian was excited. When you realise that God was helping Isaiah many hundreds of years before to see what would happen when he sent his son Jesus to earth, it meant that anyone at all in the whole wide world can be welcomed into God's family if only they believe. No wonder this man wanted to be baptised. No wonder he went on his way celebrating. He was a changed man. What difference, we might wonder, did this make, his, make to his job in the treasury in Ethiopia? Jesus Christ changes people. And no wonder when the church today reads Isaiah 53, we find ourselves in awe once more of God's great rescue plan, the plan that Jesus would come to earth, be wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our sins, as the verse before the one the man quotes to Philip says. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed 
for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. And Luke plants this account here in Acts of the heart of the moment when the gospel is starting to go out into the wide world to make it absolutely clear that wherever you go, whatever culture you come to, whatever situation of human need, sin or oppression you may find, the good news about Jesus is there to meet that need. The message of Jesus is that he is the one in whom all the promises of God find their yes in him. And among all the promises in the Bible, this promise of the servant, through whose death the power of evil and sin have been broken and its punishment exhausted, stands supreme. Whether you are on a lonely road through the Gaza desert, in a great cathedral like this one, or on your own in the privacy of your room. What is the good news about Jesus? That God sent Jesus to die, that whoever believes in him may have their sins forgiven and receive peace and eternal life. Philip was the right man on the right road at just the right time to meet with this Ethiopian treasury official. It was a divine appointment, you might say. The Ethiopian crosses paths with Philip. His life is changed, and the effects are still felt today through the Coptic church in Ethiopia. Tradition suggests that this treasurer eunuch introduced the Christian faith to Ethiopia when he returned there after his pilgrimage to Jerusalem. The good news about Jesus was on its way to the ends of the earth. Perhaps this morning is the right time for you to meet this God, to know the joy of having peace with him. And just like this man, to leave here this morning rejoicing at the death of the innocent Jesus for us, undeserving men and women. Amen.